This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai. There's joy in every journey. 17 weeks, four quarters, 60 minutes, and it all leads up to one winning, winning drive. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the Winning Drive podcast. I am Rita Hubbard, the NFL chick, co-host of Baltimore Post Game Uncensored on 105.7 The Fan, here with my guy, Cordell Woodland of Shaking It Up Sports and the Ravens reporter also for 105.7 The Fan. Ravens lose to the Steelers 16-13, and it's a lot, Cordell. It feels like that that we've seen this type of game before, not just from a Ravens-Steelers perspective, but just basically from this season and the losses that the Ravens have endured, how, you know, it's been a late score that's put teams over the top. Um, But let's start with the offense. I think that it's there's some multifaceted things. It's a miracle to me that the Ravens have found a way to win three games since Lamar's injury against the Broncos in early December. And I say it's a miracle because um, they're not scoring a lot of touchdowns since then. Um, The personnel that they have is not that great, particularly from a wide receiver perspective. Um, And yet somehow they've won three games. So that's been amazing to me. Um, When you look back at hindsight, the two losses, though, also make you realize that the very same reasons why I'm surprised that they won three games are the same reasons why they've lost two games. Um, and so when you start looking at what the Ravens have done when Lamar Jackson went down in that Denver game, if we want to include that Denver game, the Ravens have only scored four touchdowns on offense. Four. We know that they didn't score any in the Cleveland game. Um, they scored one at the Broncos game to 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 win that game. They scored one um, in the Steelers game. One, what in the Falcons game, and then one last night. And um, it's very interesting because NBC did um, a comparison. With Lamar Jackson, this team scores an average of 28 points. Without him, they're scoring an average of 18 points. And I actually think that the 18 points is very cute and, and, and being nice because I don't know where the five points is coming from. So mm-hmm. um, this is interesting. This is a very interesting dynamic. I do not know how this team has simply figured out ways to win those the games without Lamar. I mean, you could say that, well, they were playing against mediocre uh, opponents, which plays a big role into that. But um, at some point, 
you have to find a way to get seven points and not three points. And ultimately, that was the culprit in this game, in addition to the fact that they were unable to answer the adjustments that the Steelers made on defense to stop running the football effectively, particularly in the second half. Yeah, I mean, the offense stalls out. That's what they do. You know, they, they can only do but so much out there. They may have a drive here and there um, where they're able to sustain and get to the red zone. But once they get to the red zone, they flame out. And we've heard Greg Roman before talk about how his guys have to do a better job of running the football uh, in the red zone. Well, he also needs to do a better job, again, of calling plays for the run game in the red zone. There was yet again another red zone possession uh, in the game against Pittsburgh where they didn't ha- – J.K. Dobbins or Gus Edwards didn't have a run. Now, Gus Edwards was basically a non-factor in this game. He only played nine snaps. Um, yeah. I, for the life of me, I don't understand what's going on with Gus Edwards. I don't understand what's going on with this running back situation as a whole because, you know, it could be any given week. It's like I guess they're – they call themselves alternating weeks of who is going to be the guy is what it looks like. Uh, but J.K. Dobbins is obviously going to get more work each each of those times. But last week, it was Gus Edwards. And still, J.K. Dobbins had more carries, but Gus Edwards was kind of like the focal point in the offense. Gus Edwards was a no-show in this game, and I, I can't really say it was – because of him, I mean, it's hard for him to help the team when he's on the sideline. It's hard for him to help can the I, team. Can I interject here? Because I do mm-hmm. believe that J- that J.K. Dobbins was the better player to play on Sunday than Gus Edwards based on what the Steelers were giving them on defense and based on what the each player's strength was. I think that where they were stopping the run is where Gus Edwards typically thrives in. And I think J.K. Dobbins being in a more elusive back gave them a better chance in terms of running the football. So I honestly did not have too much of an issue with Gus not being the premier guy would I had liked to see him more have more than three carries yes but ultimately I I think that the right decision was made let me say yeah, that, based I'm, on what the I'm defense good. was giving him I'm not I'm not upset with JK's the starter you know JK's the right. better back I'm not upset right. that JK is the focal point it's more so the fact that your pat I mean Gus Gus Edwards should be just as much uh, a part of this Russian offense uh, as J.K. Dobbins is, J.K. finally got over 15 carries in this game, and on a day where the the run game wasn't necessarily popping the way it you, it, it has in the past, J.K. still had a decent day, 17 carries yeah. for 93 yards. It's over five yards a pop, but it would I, I think it would have helped, especially with them loading up against the run, for them to be able to have that bruiser that they have to tackle for full quarters as well. Um, but they 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 weren't really getting worn down. The pass game is what it is. I mean, you're, you're you're getting nothing out of the pass game. You only had two receptions from receivers for 18 <laughs> yards. I mean, <laughs> what are we doing? What are it's we embarrassing. doing? Uh, it, it's you, you have to get your offense from somewhere, and it's clear that J.K. Dobbins and Gus Edwards right now are the only ones giving it to him. Mark Andrews was finally able to wake up, caught all nine of his targets, had 100 yards on the day. Um, Isaiah likely gets the touchdown. But other than that, I mean, the pass game was obsolete. It it, it was obsolete again. Um, I just, 
I'm wrecking my brain because sure, <laughs> sit here and 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 talk all day about how Tyler Huntley's not a good quarterback. Tyler Huntley can't lead your team uh to sustain sustainable wins. He's not good enough to really carry the load right now uh for them. And because you look around, who are his weapons? I mean, the receiving group has been documented to not be good. It's the worst receiving core in the league. It just is what it is. Um, this is a prehistoric pass game, scheme-wise, personnel-wise. Uh, you, you, you got anytime your offensive coordinator has to highlight how diverse your tight end group is, it means you don't have much uh, as far as weapons are concerned on your offense. This is now 2023. This is the modern day NFL. You're not going to be successful in this league if you cannot score multiple touchdowns. You're not going to be successful in this league if you can't throw the ball. I don't care how good your run game is. The run game is is exceptional. It's elite. Greg Roman has found a way to be this uh, Albert Einstein when it comes to scheming up the run game. But you look at him with the pass game and it's like a preschooler drawing scribble scrabble on a piece of paper. That's what it looks yeah. like. To me. It's just like, yeah, let's just let's just line up and you go here and you go there. I, I was watching the game in a press box and I said this to a couple of media members in there. Um, if you notice, the Ravens very rarely get any hit on any pass plays on time. It's all like, like guys aren't necessarily getting open based off the play that's called. It's once the, once their route is over and the quarterback has extended the play and they're running around or they're coming back to the quarterback. Now it's so now, you know, maybe he's able to find somebody open once he's had to scramble all the way outside the numbers or something like that. But it's not like the, the the play itself is getting guys open. No no receiver gets any separation. I, I mean, in that game against Pittsburgh, it was literally no type of separation from any receiver at all. Mark Andrews is out there winning his battles one-on-one, sometimes yep. double teams he's beaten. Yep. And Tyler Huntley made some nice throws to Andrews. They look like they had the connection that they had last year. Uh, that was the best – I've seen that Tyler Huntley and Mark Andrews connection all year. And it's crazy to a certain degree. I was, we were saying last, even in the Pittsburgh game that that was potentially Tyler Huntley's best game until you got until <laughs> late in the game. And, you know, he's looking for somebody to make a play. I can't believe I, I'm still kind of in shock that Tyler Huntley was ags what he was looking for on that last interception. And he, his response is somebody, somebody to make a play. Like, bro, first of all, that was not a okay. NFL, and, and so, so let me tell you this, Tyler Huntley, when you there, here's the thing about the internet and TV in general, right? There's literally, we can all go back and we can rewind and we can see what's going on. And here's, the, there's two things, Justice Hills in the middle, that he could have just gave it, gave it yeah. to, and dumped it off. And also, Isaiah likely is on the outside. Right. Yep. Is on the outside. So, so to me, 
that's an excuse. He chose to make the throw that he did. That was the decision that he decided to live with, and that's the decision that that ultimately ended the game. But for him to make to to make to say that out of his mouth when you can go back and look and see who was available, and there's two guys that he literally could have got given given it to. To me, lacks accountability, and I have a problem with that. That I mean, to be honest, I saw what he saw. I mean, Demarcus Robinson was clearing. He was on the verge of clearing the defenders. He was coming on the deep crosser. If he would have been able to make an NFL throw. Right. He that's might have been that's the hit. problem, Cornell. That's, he big, that's the biggest problem. He couldn't make the that, – that, that is a throw that an NFL quarterback makes. Yep. But he, can't, he couldn't make it. I mean, he's, he's rolling out to his right, his strong sidearm, and the ball literally goes about – 10 yards behind the receiver and maybe about 12 yards in front of the receiver. I mean, he stood no chance. It was just like his response. And I'm sure it's not exactly what he meant, but just the way it came off after such a bad loss. Yeah. His response is like, bro, I'm just throwing it up and seeing what, what happens. I'm, I'm hitting the effort button and praying somebody comes and saves the day. When I mean, he really didn't have to push that button because there were options there. That's yeah. the problem that I have with that. That's the problem. I mean, it's it's a combination factor. Like I said, it's a combination between Tyler Huntley simply not being that good yeah. and them not having any weapons. They've invested nothing into the offense yes. um, besides keeping Ronnie Stanley, Mark Andrews, paying Patrick McCarry, drafting Tyler Linderbaum. They're not putting anything into the scale positions Correct. on the outside. It's prehistoric. To think that you could win in the modern-day NFL without anything at the receiving core, I don't care if Devin DuVernay and Rashad Bateman are healthy. It's not enough. Yeah, It's not enough. They yeah. don't have enough. They don't have any known commodities at the wide receiver position that has done anything in this league. They've got nothing but people that they roll the dice on, and we'll get to some other people on the defensive side of the ball, but they've got guys that they have done nothing but roll the dice on via the draft, uh, low-risk, high-reward situations, um, considering what they're paying these guys, yeah. and it's not panning out. It's not panning out. They're not good enough as a, as a coaching staff to be able to maximize this receiving core. And these receivers aren't good enough or healthy enough to be able to take this team where they need to be uh, with just these youth, with just this youth movement at the wide receiver position. I agree. I, the, I, I, off, I, the offense is just simply lost. And to, I, to think that they're going to just wake up and be a playoff offense it's dead. The season's over. John Harbaugh blamed coaching and saying, you know, that they looked at the film all week and the Steelers did exactly what they knew they would do. <laughs> and they, as a coaching staff, weren't ready, didn't put together uh, the game plan that they needed to put together. That's just, that's just bad. I mean, it, but it is what it is at this point. Yeah. And, 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 uh... I can't believe what I'm about to do here. Um, I cannot believe I'm in a position where I have to defend Greg Roman, but this is where I have to do this. Don't get me wrong. I think that there were some things that Greg Roman could have done in yesterday's game to kind of help this offense get some type of rhythm. Let me be clear on that. Um, that being said, 
I think far too many times we 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 get upset about him and and what the, he does with this offense, and not enough about the personnel in which the offense he was given. He is running an offense that the personnel gave him, which means they did not invest in wide receiver. Um, and, and the guys that they did invest in, they tra- he traded Hollywood Brown away to Arizona. Um, Rashad Bateman obviously is out with an injury. So that's out. But they, the, they decided that they were going to invest in the offensive line and the tight ends and not in the wide receivers. So what exactly could Greg Roman put – these tight ends in better positions? Yes. I've been asking for Mark Andrews to stay outside literally for the rest of the season because I feel like that that's, that's the mismatch that you need to help a guy like Tyler Huntley in terms of his progressions. Um, and it, it, it just would help this offense a whole lot better. Um, he does do it. It's not consistently, but he does. But ultimately, I don't know anybody that could – uh, maybe Bill Belichick. Bill Belichick, yes, because Bill Belichick has had guys like this roster before, and he's maximized the talent. But he's literally the only dude I can come up with and, and say who is going to maximize the talent from a skill player position that the Ravens currently have. And he's the only guy I can come up with that could do that. I I think that what we're asking for is a lot based on the guys that they currently have. They don't have the talent, and that's a problem. And so while while I think it's a safe assumption to say that the Ravens will move on from Greg Roman, I don't care who comes in here. If you decide that you don't want to invest in the wide receiving group, then you're always going to look like this. It's always going to be this way. So that's the issue. That's the problem. On top of the fact that the Steelers committed themselves, committed themselves to eliminating the run, in which they did a very good job of that in the second half. And the matchups that they they, they they had, they were winning the matchups. It's that simple. They were winning the matchups. Morgan Moses didn't have one of his best nights. Then, then he was going in and out the game due to injury. Makari was coming in and taking his place. But then that's J.J. Watt's side. I mean, mm-hmm. it was a, a dumpster fire as far as I'm concerned on that side of the, uh, of the field. So I saw Pat Ricard miss a couple of blocks. I mean mm-hmm. – this team has some issues. And the one thing that we really thought, you know, was their strength, we see if you have the right personnel, you can find a way to make that a non-factor. And when you do and you force them to throw the ball, oh, they don't have nobody. <laughs> they got a bunch of tight ends. I don't even yeah. know if Charlie Kolar played yesterday. I know he's active. <laughs> okay, so basically he did not. But right. even even still, right, Cordell, he's a tight end. Like well, they they got tight ends already. They had likely who scored the touchdown. They had Mark Andrews who had 100 yards. So look, this team is going to continue to be what this is right now, a little bit better because Lamar Jackson is what makes this offense go. But until they invest in wide receivers, it, they're always going to have first round maybe second round exits and that's just the story it's going to be and we're not going to be able to blame greg roman because he's going to be long and gone and this is going to continue to be a problem i i totally agree they allowed jj watt i'm sorry tj watt to come out there and really blow that game up uh 
specifically in the second half. Yep. You watch that Steelers defense just really seem they were the aggressors. You know, they were the bully. They were the bully guys. They came out of that halftime locker room with the mindset that they were going to be the ones to take the game to the Ravens. But yeah, the Ravens lost at the line of scrimmage really on both sides of the ball yeah. uh, in this game. And TJ Watt just, you know, really wrecked his game. Again, I said it going into it, which defense was going to make the game changing plays, which defenses was going to get the clutch turnovers. It turned out to be Pittsburgh and it turned out to be their best players to end up making the difference. Absolutely. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. And so let's talk about the defense in a second. But have you subscribed to the Winning Drive podcast? If not, please hit the subscribe button so that every time Cordell and I drop a new episode, you will be the first to receive it. So you mentioned in the previous segment, Cordell, that, you know, the line of scrimmage um, was beaten on both sides of the ball. And defensively, we can talk about that. The funny thing is, is that, I felt like the defensive line wasn't necessarily as bad as what we saw in the offensive line. Um, The issue that I had more so was with the outside linebacking core and what the Steelers were able to do um, with that group. They were able to it didn't matter what side outside they were going to go. They left, right, you know, the game left, right, center. Well, they weren't really doing center, but left, right, it didn't matter. They were literally picking and choosing where they wanted to go. And, and their offensive line was attacking the linebackers very well. And it was a quiet night. I've heard a couple people say, you know, Roquan Smith became human. And I think that that's an unfair assessment because he wasn't getting any help from his guys. The guy, Justin Houston, Tyus Bowser, those guys did not have a good night. And they were getting beat, beat off, beat off the snap, you know, by the Steelers and what their offense was doing. And, and give credit to the Steelers' offense. They came up with some really good schemes to run the ball. Very Greg Romanus, some people might say, but they really did come up with some good schemes to run the ball, and they found a way to attack the the linebackers to the point where 
the secondary was making a good amount of tackles. Um, you had Chuck Clark with 10 tackles. You had Marcus Williams with nine tackles. When you see numbers like that, that means that's not a good night for you. That means somebody ain't doing their job. And the linebackers, to me, got exposed last night in a big way. Um, we know what this team looks like without Calais Campbell. We do. We've all, you know, you and I have said this numerous times. Losing him was going to be effective in the run game for them. And to me, this was the first game. I mean, don't get me wrong. Last week against Atlanta, you did see some breakdown, right? But what they did last night and almost having um, 200 yards rushing on the ground was downright embarrassing for a team that at one point was top three in run defense. Yeah, I mean, you know, I've been saying all week that this game could easily be flipped and Pittsburgh could be the ones that have the great game on the ground. Uh, Najee Harris, 22 carries, 111 yards, two catches and a touchdown, essentially the touchdown to win the game, which was a really good play, by the way. I I mean, I I just think that that touchdown was one of those situations to where that's just a guy going out. That's best on best. Yeah. You know, Najee is really good. Yeah, Roquan's there. And Najee makes a great – does a great job of turning up the sideline at the last second. Yep. Um, They tried to go to Najee earlier in the game in the same spot. And Roquan made the play. Uh, but this time, Najee kind of turns upfield, and Kenny Pickett makes a heck of a throw. Yes, he does. Uh, uh, rolling to his left. And that, that that's just a big boy play right there. Um, and he puts the ball right on the money, and, you know, Najee makes the play. Uh, you just got to tip your hat sometimes. I, I think that the Steelers are so dangerous because when it comes to the Ravens because they're mirror images of each other. They want to both do the exact same thing. These coaches are basically the exact same person, the way that they go about trying to get the best out of their team. Tomlin's a little more rah-rah-ish. You know, uh, you see after that touchdown, Kenny Pickett's coming off the field and Tomlin's right there. Kenny effing Pickett. You know, I mean, it's just, it's, it's, it's just the type of coach he is. He knows how to get the best out of his team. And just like I think he was on his defense all week, to not allow the Ravens to have the type of rush day that they had uh, the last time these two teams played. I think he was on this offense just as much to go out there and assert their will and force the issue against this aggressive defense. We haven't seen many offenses bully this Ravens defense, but that's exactly what happened. We haven't seen many offenses beat this Ravens defense to the edge, but that's what happened. That's what happened. Uh, I mean, you're right. The outside linebackers, it was a terrible day for them. Uh, Adafi Owe at this point. I mean, just, what's he doing? I, I, you notice just, I ain't even mentioned his name because I forgot. Yeah. I, I didn't forget. I mean, the only thing saving this guy at this, and I'm not, I'm really not trying to be mean. I'm really not. Yeah. Well, yeah. I got to call it like it is. I mean, we have given this dude a pass all year for laying a complete dud in the pass rush department. And now you see him out there getting exposed in a run game. And it's like, what is what is it that he brings to this defense right now besides the fact that he was a number one pick? Um, when you continue to see guys like David Ajabo inactive, yeah, and, and you're just like, what is going on there? Yeah. They're not getting the pass rush that they were getting initially. They're not getting a lot of production from the guys that they're sending out there at outside linebacker. 
what is happening? The, yeah. I mean, I know Ajabo's practicing. He's out there at practice. I don't know if they're not seeing what they want to see from him. Yeah. Or they don't necessarily want to send any of these guys down that they have up. But something's got to give. Um, I thought that the, the Steelers did them a favor every time they decided to throw the ball uh, because the Ravens simply could not stop the run. That said, I feel like the Steelers should throw the ball to George Pickens way more than they do. That dude is a monster. Well, Deontay uh, Johnson is their number one. Deontay, right? I, mean, Deont I think they should throw the ball to Deontay. But they, <laughs> I mean, they, they just, I understand they, they have to control their offense a lot right now. Kenny Pickett's a rookie. He's not necessarily the guy that you want to throw the ball 30 times. Uh, but George Pickens is really good. He he he's really good. He had that crazy catch on what I think third and fourteen. Yeah, uh, I think where, it didn't count because he I think he stepped out. Uh, you know, no, not that one. The one okay. uh, in the middle of the field where he 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 really showed his catch radius. Okay, uh, Kenny Pickett throws a nice ball that he has to reach out over the middle of the field and catch. Even the one that you're talking about that was on the sideline was was pretty good too. He he's a matchup nightmare. He is. Um I, I just think that the fact that Kenny Pickett isn't necessarily where they want him to be just yet as a passer benefits this Ravens team and a lot of teams even more. Um because especially the way that Pittsburgh was running the ball last night, if they could get consistent production in the pass game, they'd be dangerous. They'd be really dangerous. Um, but all in all, I just think that Pittsburgh beat the Ravens at their own game. They dominated at the line of scrimmage. Guys like Justin Matabike isn't necessarily consistent, as consistent as you would like him to be. Broderick Washington, I thought he had a pretty good game, all yes. things considered. Um, Brent, he, Brent Urban actually got called a oh, lot. Brent, yeah, Brent Urban. I mean, the dude is – Brent Urban, I say this in the press box, he, he is one of the best in the league in terms of batting balls down at the line of scrimmage. He he knows how to use his size. He's very good at putting his hands up and timing uh, his jump to, to deflect the ball at the line. Um, but Broderick Washington, he, he took, I, I, he took the loss pretty hard. I mean, he sat at his locker the entire time that we were in the locker room. Uh, the media was in the locker room. And I mean, he's just staring into the, to a daze, um, you, you know, you could tell that certain you just sitting there rethinking plays, rethinking the game as a whole. Uh, but all in all, I think this defense is stressed out. I think that they play good enough to win. Yeah. And I feel like a broken record. I feel like the last couple of losses that the Ravens have had outside of that Jacksonville game, I'm saying this defense played good enough to win the game. But yeah, it's tough. It's a tough thing to ask for your defense to be perfect for them to never give up a touchdown uh, for them to basically hold team scoreless for them to go out there and damn near score touchdowns themselves. Mm -hmm. it's, a, it's a tough thing for any defense to be asked to do in this day and age. Um, I, I think that this is a championship defense when it's all said and done. If, if, if they were on, if this was the defense that the Vikings had, They'd be, a, they'd be the Super Bowl favorites. You know, if, if you've got an offense that can put up points, but the, God knows the Vikings' defense stinks. And right now it's kind of the reverse for the Ravens. The defense is very, uh, very much quality, uh, but the offense is piss poor. And they go hand in hand. We could try to separate the two as much as we want, but the offense, 
you know, they, they help out the defense. And in this sense, they can hurt the defense. Yeah. And, and, and so we talked about this on the post game show last night when you, uh, on uh, Sunday night when you called um, and, you know, you, you mentioned like, okay, cause, cause we talked about how bad they played, um, you know, in the trenches and, and you said, yes, okay, let's, we have to call a spade a spade. However, you know, they've played, they only gave up, you know, 16 points. And like, when is, when, when, why do I have to keep, you know, acknowledging, oh, the defense didn't do this, the defense didn't do that, knowing that the other side of the ball is clearly not holding up their end of the bargain. And, and look, we can do both, right? I mean, we can acknowledge that last night wasn't their night that, you know, from a matchup perspective, the Steelers did a really good job of putting them in their place for lack of a better term. I mean, they didn't even think about going Marlon Humphrey's way and they didn't have to, you know, yeah. you had Brandon Stevens out there. I'm going to pick on Brandon Stevens too. And Brandon Stevens didn't play, you know, horrible, right. but, but ultimately, you know, them not cr- creating a pass rush um, was a lot of things was a lot of uh, uh, an issue for them. And the one thing that we keep noticing is that guys that are able to move around the pocket just gives them hell. We saw it with um, the week before uh, with Ritter and the Falcons. And then we saw Kenny Pickett looks very, he reminds you a lot of Ben Roethlisberger in terms of how he moves around in that pocket and he shifts and kind of allows them uh, the, the, the defense to get around him and he's still looking down the field to make a play. So, you know, they don't know what to do with that type of dude. They have no idea what to do with that type of guy. And then the guys that you're asking to to find a way to do something about it are guys that probably got AARP cards, okay? <laughs> Justin Houston, you know, JPP. We're asking these dudes, instead of the young dudes like an Oway or, you know, like a Tyus to be the ones to, to, to get some consistency there. And that's the problem. That's the biggest issue, right? Because you're being exposed now. And I'm not saying that um, – other offenses are going to be able to to look at the tape and do this because I don't think other offenses right. have the 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 weaponry to do that. Here's the problem though: you play the Bengals next week. You probably play the Bengals again the following week. It looks like it's looking more and more like that's going to be possible. Well, that would happen only if the Ravens win the division. <laughs> no, well, either way, right? Because as of right now, they're the sixth seed. So even if they swap, it's they the Chargers still win the um, AFC conference record over the Bengals. So they would basically switch places. So it's looking potentially more and more like the Ravens could potentially play the Bengals two weeks in a row. And I, the, we see what the Bengals look like. The Steelers do have good players, right, on, on offense. So, you know, because we know that they, they what they're going to do always is draft the wide receiver. They might not all pan out, but damn it, they're going to try. Right. Then you go look at the Bengals and what they got going on from their skill player perspective is laughable. It's it's literally laughable when you're asking these old dudes to be the guys to step up and play games against 
Joe Burrow, whose offensive line has absolutely come along as the season has come along. They had a rough start, which which was a big part of why they started off slow, but they started gelling together now. And then they got their pieces at wide receiver. Then they got, you know, Hayden Hurst at tight end. Then they got Joe Mixon at, at, at running back. So what the Ravens really have to be realistic with themselves. And I know that right now that they, they really can't do anything about it, but you you keep telling us you want to invest in this defense, invest in this defense, and because defense and running, you know, is, is is what we like to do here. Okay, that's fine, but your offense can't score, so now you're putting pressure on your defense, and that's going to be the issue potentially for the next two weeks remaining in this season because of the matchup. Even if they play Jacksonville, caught out. Even if they play Jacksonville, and I'm a person that believes that it's very hard for a team to beat. Um, somebody twice. I know Cleveland did this a couple of years ago uh, against the Steelers. So we, it's not that it can't be done. I just think that it's harder for it to be done, you know, back-to-back wins against a team in the same season. Yeah, I don't I mean, feel excited about that matchup either. No, I, mean, I, I wouldn't be excited about any matchup that they have in the playoffs, to be honest. Yeah. Any, anybody that they play in the playoffs is going to be able to score. You look at the AFC, all these teams hit score. Uh, you talk about potentially the top three teams, that's Chiefs, Buffalo, or Cincinnati. Even if you want to take it to the fourth seed with Jacksonville, who gave them the business the last time they played, uh, I mean, they can put up points. It, the, it's going to show. You know, their 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 warts are going to show yeah. if they get to the playoffs, yep. except it'll look worse, potentially. Yeah, it's very possible. Uh, you know, so I'm I, I'm not excited to really see this team in the playoffs. I think, like I said before, I think this defense is champion is a championship defense. They're good enough in this day and age in the NFL to get the job done if they had enough going for them on the other side, but they don't. Um, I, you, you did mention Brandon Stevens. I thought Brandon Stevens played quality. He had the nice breakup in the end zone yeah. early in the game. Um, he gave up a couple of passes down the field, uh, but, you know, his problem is that he can't find the ball in the air he's there in mm-hmm. coverage all the time but he mm-hmm. can't find i mean that could be marlin's problem at times as well down yes. the field they just can't find the ball um and you know you look at some of these teams that they're going to be going against they're going to be going against quarterbacks that are not afraid to put the ball in tight coverage um and they are going against receivers that can make plays when going against tight coverage so it, it just doesn't – it's not a good recipe right now. They're not getting much of a pass rush. They're giving up the run as well now, which is even worse. Um, it's, it's I think that this defense is in the process of wearing down. Yeah. That's, that's not what you want. Absolutely. And, and look, that's going to happen, right? I mean, look at, like, the Denver Broncos, for example, a team that has one of the, the top defenses in the league. Well, their offense isn't, isn't helping them at all, and so now you're seeing breakdowns within the last few weeks, and that's understandable, right? Like, you can only do so much. I can only do so much on my part, and, and if my, my guys on the other side – aren't helping me, aren't contributing to what we're doing here, then what am I doing here, right? That's I can absolutely see that being, not, not that that's something that's being said out loud, but like if you're going to continue, the Ravens, the Steelers, excuse me, had 20 more plays than the Ravens, which means the Ravens ain't on the field long enough, which means the defense is on the field more than they should be. So 
I, I just don't know what what you th- what people think that this defense can do. In addition to the issues that I'm concerned about in terms of having older guys be the guys that you have to try to be, you know, say, hey, can you do this? It's crazy to me, like ridiculous to me that we're here. And yet we are. We are here. And that's the set. That's the part that that's, you know, concerning to me. Steelers have 30, uh, 34 minutes in time of possessions opposed to the Ravens, um, 20, almost 26. I mean, that's eight more minutes. That's more, again, 20 more plays. So you're wearing your defense now that we both agree is pretty good and good enough, you know, to keep them, to keep teams in games, their team in games. The offense is just doing their job. So it happens. You get beat at the line of scrimmage. You get beat, you know, in the linebacker court. It does. The problem is that I don't think it gets any easier for them um, as the rest of this season goes, because like we've already mentioned, the other guys that you're you're going to have to play um, in the playoffs are very potent on offense. And if your offense can't get it together and you leave your defense in a situation of being out on the field more, you got to feel some type of way about it. So we'll find out how this goes. Uh, but yeah, Ravens defense struggled mightily um, in the game on Sunday. Before we get to our final segment, have you subscribed to the Winning Drive podcast? If not, Hit that subscribe button so that every time there's a new podcast, you'll get the notification and you'll be the first to know. Cordell, is this a time to give a pat on the hat? <laughs> like, I feel like we had to, right? Like, I mean, yes, it was it was not pretty. I mean, but it's never going to be. I don't care win, lose, tie. The Ravens is never going to have pretty games. It's just not gonna. It's not who they are. It's not their DNA. So, yes, once again, we're in a situation where they they lose a game in the final minutes, uh, final seconds, if you re- if you would like to say. Um, but I think that there was a couple of guys that required some pats on the hat, I think. And so we should acknowledge that. Yeah. Uh, let's see if I could, if I could scrum up a couple um, that are on the Ravens team. Uh, <laughs> well, yes, this is a Ravens podcast. <laughs> we don't want to give the Steelers any love over here. Yeah. We don't want to lose our people because right. we're talking nice about, about the Pittsburgh Steelers. I'm going to try. I'm going to try. <laughs> uh, I, Let's start with J.K. J.K. I think of course had a quality game for sure. Seventeen carries, ninety-three yards on the ground. His career high in carries. He finally got over the fifteen carry threshold. And I, I said something to him in the locker room about it. You know, he uh, I was like, you know, you, you you finally got that over that fifteen carries. He's like, yeah, finally. You know, but you know, obviously he's disappointed uh, that they weren't able to get a win. Uh, with him being able to do that, but J.K., you know, he he was steady. He he didn't have necessarily the gash in plays that he's had the last couple of weeks, but you know, he's still averaging a, a, over five yards a pop, uh, is, which is what you want. You know, he didn't have many um play, negative plays. He has some plays where he made something out of nothing. I mean, J.K. is getting hit in the backfield and finding a way to work his way to a three-yard gain out of out of nowhere. You know, this was not the offensive line's best day by any means, but I, I give credit to J.K. Dobbins. Really, both of these running backs that we saw in this game 
had to earn every single yard they got. J.K. Dobbins had to do it, and I think Najee Harris had to do it as well on quite a few of his runs. So, you know, I, I'm going to give J.K. a pat because he he really did his thing as far as keeping them on schedule as best as possible. Yeah, I, I think you do have to credit um, J.K. because he's played so well since he's come back the season, and he continued to do that um, on Sunday night against the Steelers' defense, even though they game plan to, you know, get find a way to get rid of him, which eventually it, it worked. But um, it took a while for that to happen, like the end of the third quarter for that to really kind of get some play. I'm going to, of course, go with Mark Andrews, nine receptions um, on nine targets and 100 yards. They finally found their way back to each other, Tyler Huntley and Mark Andrews. And look, we know how frustrated he was last week um, in the game against Atlanta because he was winning his matchups. And it seems as though, you know, Huntley heard him and that, you know, he made it a priority to get the ball to Andrews. Look, as much as we talk about how the Ravens don't have good skill players at, at a receiving position, it doesn't change the fact that Mark Andrews is still a, a guy that nobody can really have an answer for. You can try your best, but Mark Andrews is still that dude and he's going to win majority of his matchups. And um, the Ravens are, are lucky to have him on this team because when he's on, he's on. We, we've seen him struggle at times this year. And we've also understood that he's had some health issues. But when Mark Andrews is on, it's, it's very little people out here that can stop him at that point. Yeah, Mark was a beast. You know, it was the best game he's had in a while. Yeah. Uh, get Finally been able to get back to 100 yards, caught all nine of his targets. Huntley wasn't on point a lot in this game, but, you know, when he's throwing to Mark Andrews, he was. Uh, you'd like to see that. I mean, there's not much more they could do. You, nice, it'd be nice to see Mark get a touchdown or something, but uh, it is what it is. You know, the, the offense has its limitations, uh, but Mark and J.K. were pretty much the only bright spots on that side of the ball. That I that I could think of, the offensive line wasn't very good. Tyler Huntley wasn't very good. Yeah. Um. Nobody else really made a, a big time impact for me. Um. On the defensive side of the ball, I'm gonna give a pat to Broderick Washington. Um. Even though the the Steelers, you know, had a a very good day on the ground and the pass rush wasn't necessarily there individually, I thought Broderick Washington played really well. Um, he, he blew up a couple of plays, forced this, forced Najee Harris or Jalen Warren to kind of have to bounce bounce it outside when the play wasn't necessarily designed for that simply because of his interior penetration um, on a day where there's no Calais Campbell. And Justin Matabike isn't necessarily lighting the world up, uh, even though I thought Matabike played solid yeah. in this game as well. Um, I, I, I just like Broderick Washington. I, I thought he made a bigger impact for me, especially in the run game where not many people were really helping in that regard. Yeah, I, I'm going to give one to Brent Urban. I think that he, you know, had uh, – he was impactful. Um, he had four tackles, and, and and like you mentioned, he's really good at deflecting passes because he's so tall and, and got the, you know, long arms. He he really, to me, I felt like when he did play, he was – when they had him in, he was disruptive. And we heard his name, you know, quite a few times last night um, and getting in the play. So – um, he's a guy that, you know, we don't 
hear his name a whole lot because there's other guys that get play um, ahead of him. But I, I, I felt like he, when he was able to get in, he had some, some impactful plays. So I will give one to Brent Urban. Yeah, I mean, I'm scraping the barrel. Uh, so what about Justin Matabike? Like, what about him? Has, I feel like we should give him some flowers. An honorable mention something. Yeah, I mean, there's a couple people that I wouldn't mind giving honorable mentions to. Um, Justin Matabike is one of them. Uh, he, you know, he had a he had an impact on the game. The interior, I think, was you know the best of of the group as far as that front that front seven, um, because they were able to kind of get that early penetration to blow a couple of the runs up. Um, they were able to kind of force the running backs to bounce it outside a little bit, force the quarterback to move around in the pocket. Um, you'd like to see more as a unit a better job as a unit, but the interior guys I, I thought were pretty solid. I mean, even, even if I say Jordan Stout, you know, I thought Jordan Stout kind of helped them uh, with the field position. You yeah. had four points, two of them uh, were inside the 20. Um, you know, he did his job. He's flipping field position on, on a date on a game like that, where neither offense is necessarily lighting up is only two touchdowns scored Right. In the game in general, field position matters. And I thought Jordan Stout, who's been fairly inconsistent this year for a guy who was drafted in the fourth round, um, he, he had a solid outing. Solid. I, I agree. I agree. And then last but not least, I mean, we got to give it to Justin Tucker, right? Like 51-yard field goal. I mean, because he's, he's had a couple of unblocked ones the last couple of weeks. So, you know, got to give him his flowers per, per usual. I'm just trying to find a silver lining here at this point, Cordell. I mean, listen, it, it, it wasn't pretty at all. But that didn't mean that a couple guys didn't do a couple of good things and that we shouldn't highlight those things, even in a loss, you know. So I, I want to also give an honorable mention to Justin Tucker for a pat on the hat. So, okay, we will be back on Wednesday to talk more Ravens. I think, I, I don't know, you think we're going to be moved on by then? I mean, listen, I, for once, was right and you were wrong. And I wanted to be wrong but because you've been right a whole lot this season. And it's cool. I wanted to be wrong. But I can't believe that somehow, some way, you ended up wrong and I ended up right. That's not how the universe usually does these picks. Yeah. So I blame you, Cordell, because you you weren't supposed to let me be right. Yeah, they uh, they they let us they let me down. Um, I thought they'd be able to pull it out in this one. I thought they'd be able to make the plays and and kind of uh, insert assert their dominance on the still, you know, how physical this team and which is a physical rivalry. Any right. of these, either of these two teams could have won this game. I think we both were saying that it, it definitely wasn't a sure shot for the Ravens to go out there and win. Um, but you would have liked to see a better effort than, than the one that we saw. I, I, I haven't seen John Harbaugh that upset after a yeah. loss yeah. this year. Very short. Um, and, and I think it was because he, you know, it's okay if they're going to lose, before his team to kind of get bullied out there. 
the way that they that, did. Yeah. You know, that, that's not that's not what you want when you're two weeks away from the playoffs. Absolutely. So by the time we do our next podcast, um, the the Bengals Bills game will be played. We'll know the outcome of that to see if the AFC North is on the line. And we'll talk about that on Wednesday. So I, I guess go Bills Mafia. If you're a Ravens fan, you kind of got to root for the Bills. I know y'all don't care for them, but they ain't that bad of a group anyway. You know, they give money to charity and stuff. Mm-hmm. I mean, the, the alternative is rooting for the Bengals, which I'm not doing that. Uh, by any means necessary so um, go Bills and uh, we want to thank you for listening so from Cordell to me this is Winning Drive <laughs>